Hey friends, thank you so much for supporting your best friend Edun. The response to last week's episode has been so incredible and I truly, truly appreciate all of your thoughts. Just wanted to remind folks that if you are interested in being on your best friend Edun, visit the show's Instagram at yourbfedun for the link to the Google form that you can fill out. Anyone, literally anyone, whether you know me personally or not, can be a part of it. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to Your Best Friendy Done, the podcast where each week I invite a new guest to become my new best friend. This week I've invited a one-of-a-kind talent and skinny legend, my friend Matt Landry McWilliams. Let's go! Here we go. Here he is, the man of the hour, Matt Landry McWilliams. Welcome to the show. Welcome to Your Best Friend Pod. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Um, I'm so happy you're here. Um, thank you so much for coming on the show. You are streaming live from Connecticut. Where do you say from Connecticut you are? In East Haddam, Connecticut. Shout out East Haddam if anybody <laughs> Matt's there. Um, why don't you tell us what you're at right now, what your, what your situation is, living situation. Yeah. So uh, I grew up in Connecticut, so I'm not too far from where I grew up from. Uh, I got a job teaching at a school called Franklin Academy. It's a boarding school for kids on the spectrum, high schoolers on the spectrum. And I teach theater and I'm also like a humanities substitute. So that's what I've been doing this whole last fall in the winter and going into next year. Um, yeah, so I mostly just do theater and perform and whatnot. But I decided to do something real during this time of COVID. This is very real. Yeah, I feel like this is, you can't get any realer than this podcast. Me and Matt went to school together, did a couple things together here and there. And now we're back again. We're reunited. Maybe one, you know, by the end of this podcast, we'll, we're friends now. But I feel like hopefully by the end of this podcast, we will be best friends. Um, what was I going to ask? Oh, classic question I ask, I have to ask. Um, you're in a room full of people and you rock up to a group of strangers, what would you, Matt, how would you introduce yourself to those people? What would you say to those new friends of yours? Um, hmm. I would go up to them. I would first introduce myself. I would say, hello, everybody. I'm Matt. Um, a lot of people call me Matty Lapone. Uh, maybe I do a little dance for them because that's kind of engaging. Um, maybe crack a joke at um, a weird, awkward time, and then call it a day. And why Maddie Lapone? It's after Patty Lapone, um, a friend in high school, like freshman year of high school, once called me that because I like was obsessed with Patty Lapone as a young child, and uh, I think the name just really fits. When I narrate my life in my head, I always call myself Maddie Lapone. Are you still friends with that person? Uh, for the most part, yeah, we follow each other on Twitter, so. That counts. I would say so. Yeah, at this age, at this time, if you follow someone on something, you're friends. Yeah, exactly. That's how you keep in touch. You don't have to text them or send them letters. Just follow them. Give them a follow. Do you feel like, do you, do you see similarities between you and Patty Lapone? Like lifestyle-wise, talent-wise? <laughs> well, I would say, yeah. Like, I, let me try to think. I think... 
the fact that she is so, if you see her in interviews, she, she says whatever she wants. I really take that to heart. I take that she just keep, is herself throughout all the fame and um, whatnot. Also uh, singing wise, I like listened to her throughout growing up and belting and everything I've always just loved. And so I kind of feel like a part of me is definitely inside of Patti LuPone. Or I'm a part of that. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think you're a part of her. Um, but what is, is the goal for Matt right now? Oh, the goal for Matt. Um, well, the number one goal is to probably become a reality television star. I really see that for myself. <laughs> Whether it's like a reality competition show or even just like, I don't know, Jersey Shore, like something just like in a house of me just being me. But anyway... Um, let's see, since college. So I graduated college May 2019. And then I run a camp every summer. So I go back home to my hometown of Guilford, Connecticut. And I run this Parks and Rec camp. Uh, it's like 100 kids, it's a lot. But it's uh, a good gig over the summer. And I have a lot of fun. So I've been doing that every summer. And then I've been, let's see, last fall, I started an apprenticeship at the O'Neill Theater Center. Uh, good old time. Uh, I did that for a little bit and then COVID happened and I was home back home in Guilford for a while. We did, and I did my camp even through COVID. Like luckily no one got sick. We were all, the protocols were all there and whatnot. Um, and then I got this job teaching. So that's really been what I've been up to since. Yeah, that's cool. You run, a summer camp, like you're in charge of the camp, like how? Yeah, well, technically I'm the assistant director, but I'll be the director next summer. And it's honestly just like a good gig for the summer, like um, nine to five, which isn't my favorite times of the day, but it's like nine to five, Monday through Friday. And it's like the kids of the town and you just have to entertain them. And I have a good old time. Yeah, I worked, I worked at a summer camp every summer in college too yeah it's the, it's the best job yeah it's also just a good gig for like when you're in college or even post-college like I was like let me stick with it so I could like run it and get paid more money and so that's what I did yeah I I like always I was just like every summer people would run into like oh I need to do this internship I need to pay money for an apartment in the city I'd be like fuck that I just go and exactly and i i don't know if you lived up but like just like you know it was like housing free meals didn't get paid a ton but it was like a community of people it was like the perfect thing to do after you know crazy some you know years in college yeah i would just live with my parents while i was uh while i'm running that camp because it's in the same town but honestly i enjoyed it it was kind of nice to just be home for a little bit and i like thinking like i'm a celebrity i'm like this is my summer home in connecticut um so i really enjoyed it what did i do one summer i worked there as a specialist that helped the staff like run programming but it wasn't it, it was like kind of hard to define it was like kind of like the doing like all the extra bits like i was driving a lot doing a lot of errands but on the resume i'm the co-educational director like no one fucking like no one no one questions it like if it, if the, for some reason a job is asking them about it they'll like confirm it like make it sound a lot more prettier than it really it really is 
I started out there as a theater specialist. So like a little theater teacher. And like, of course my resume has it, like I made like a curriculum for every age group. And it was a whole thing when really we just improvised dances all day. I thought it, that's all theater teaching is. Like theater outreach is just. <laughs> just being weird, just play games. Just play games. Um, speaking of games or speaking of uh, theater, um, let's talk about some of your favorite things. Theater-wise, um, it's mostly musicals that take up my mind. Um, I have a big love of musicals. Of course, the regular plays too, all types of theater, but my heart lies with good old musical theater. And it sounds so cheesy, but it's like, it's just true. Yeah, you got a favorite musical right now or a musical you're listening to a lot now? Um, honestly, no. But um, one of my favorite musicals probably of all time is Evita, which is uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's 1979 musical um, about the first lady of Argentina. I, I don't know why. I think I just like powerful women. So I just felt very attracted to that musical at a young age. Of course, Miss Patti LuPone's in it as well. So I love just listening through that musical. Of course, there's like iconic, like, Don't Cry For Me, Argentina on the balcony. I, when I was 14, I would do that in my like small high school auditorium all the time. I would just bring my arms up, do the dramatic pose for everyone to see. I just saw on Facebook, it was like your most liked photo of 2011. And it's a photo of me going like this, of, of course. course why, what else would it be yeah. at that point? The best part was um, in the photo I'm wearing a t-shirt that says Wicked on it. <laughs> like the musical, and I was like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> God, Matt. Uh, you still would do that, right? It's still, nothing's changed, right? Yeah, absolutely. I won't wear that shirt ironically or anything. I love the movie. Oh yeah, everyone gives Madonna shit for her performance and whatnot, but I think she portrayed it well. And I think a big reason too why I like it so much is my I, uh, my moms were really into the movie when it came out. My mom loves Antonio Banderas. And so I think I listened to the album when I was like a really little baby. And so when I listened to Don't Cry For Me at Argentina again in middle school, I was like, I know this. And not just because it's a popular song. I was like, this melody is in my blood. I feel it. <laughs> so I think that's why I have another connection with it. Were you in it? Or have you just been... I actually was. I was in it freshman year of high school. And then also in college, I think, I want to say it was like the summer after freshman year of college. I also did it. So I've done it twice. But it was my love came before it, but I've always loved doing it. So I was very happy to have done it twice already in my life. <laughs> Ensemble both times. Well, that's the best role, you know what? I, mean? I know, I'm, I love it. I'm the queen of the ensemble. You get to learn no lines, just have your little vocal part, have your little moment to shine, and that's it. I got, I, in middle school, I was a big musical theater nerd, and then in high school, less so. Um, and I was uh, in Hairspray, I was the dad in Hairspray. I think his name is Wilbur. And I liked it. I had a good time doing it, but... I really envied the ensemble kids because they were like in every single scene, they had the best choreography and they were all friends with each other. And I had like my two or three scenes, you know? Oh yeah. 
Avita, I were I remember working hard. I would be like costume change after costume change. Because one moment you're an aristocrat, and the next moment you're in the military. Um, and it was it's a very ensemble heavy show. And so like doing that type of stuff is really fun. And then just like collaborating with the other ensemble members and just having fun with them just always made it worth it. And so it's like, instead of learning all this music and like having to be by yourself and learn the character, you can just have fun through the whole process. I think I've done the ensemble so much now that like if I'm placed in it, I feel great. I'm like, I'm excited, ready to go. Because knowing me, I always find my moment to like shine and be on stage. And, but then I also know like, I don't have to prepare that much. Which is great. I just have to show up. So what's your favorite musical that you've been a part of or show, I guess? Uh, I would have to repeat myself and say Evita, but when I did it in high school, it was my first high school production. I felt it was like my first time really getting involved and in like getting down in the dirty work of it. Um, and I just, I was a kid working with like 18 year olds and whatnot. And so I think I just like learned a lot and it shaped me and I so I really think that time was really great. I also recently really enjoyed being a part of Pippin at Sarah Lawrence my senior year. I had a lot of fun doing that because I think uh, I had I felt very connected with the cast and it was my senior year and I got to play the birth of the grandma which is a different role than what most people would play definitely like men in their early 20s so I had a lot of fun with it and um it was just a good old time it's also one of those great roles I love because it's like the grandma's in one scene she sings like this really big fun number and then she goes away and so that's exactly what I need like I want my big number to shine I can sing do my thing it's really fun and then I then you remember me the whole show, but I don't have to do anything else. So that's like another thing I love. Coming in, coming out. Coming in, coming out. That's all you need to do. Yeah. Have you ever played like a lead in these shows? Like ever? Good question. Um, I need to bring it. I just was curious. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me think. Um, oh, in high school, I played model the tailor and fiddler on the roof. He's the one that... Um, Mary's the oldest daughter. So that was a shining moment. I don't really know if I'm too built for it. I'm not like the ingenue male most would see. I feel like if I really tried, I could try it. But again, like, I don't know. I'm happy doing what I do best though. <laughs> the fun supporting characters. I've just seen some, some shit where I'm like, they're the lead, like that, that shit. I, you know, uh, yeah, everywhere. That's not just college or high, like that's like even all the way to Broadway. What did oh, I absolutely. And but every time I see a musical, I'm like, I want to be in a musical, but I know I can never do it. I know I'm, I've, I've gone to the point where I'm like, I'm over these, I'm over musicals, I can't. And then, like, you see one, you listen to a soundtrack, you're just like, I love it. If I was ever in like a professional musical, though, I think I would have to be in one that does like choreographed movement, as I would say, like you just walk around the stage with intention because I couldn't do the back flips or like the splits that you see in some shows, like Newsies, for instance, some people are like, Matt, you'll, you'd be so good in that. And I'm like, yeah, watch me with my titanium rods attached to my spine, do a back flip. 
No thanks. Newsies is a lot. Newsies is. I've never seen it actually. It's on Netflix, I think. I think it's like on Disney. I bet, yeah. Netflix or something, and just I was like, "Wow, this is so <laughs> crazy." This is like <laughs> Disney times a thousand. Like it's so over the top, but it's good. It's like you know what? Fuck it. Like this is what I came to see. Versus like, I don't know, um, freaking Spring Awakening, which is just like this really uh, not that. <laughs> it's just, just yeah. Well, a lot of people go to musicals for the, like, extravaganza, um, epic, like, feeling they get from it and, like, the pure entertainment. I know, I remember reading that, like, after 9-11, the tickets for Broadway went up by a lot because people just needed that entertainment. Definitely Miracle on 34th Street, which is just, like, a musical that shows spectacle and um, pure entertainment. That was one of the biggest musicals right after 9-11, just because people needed it. Um, during uh, our like conference weeks, or like as most people know, like finals weeks um, at Sarah Lawrence, I would go see a Broadway show by myself, just to like get my mind off of stuff and uh, whatnot and procrastinate on my conference papers. I remember freshman year, I went to see Waitress by myself. Because I was like, I need, I just need some time. And of course, I would do the rush tickets that were like 30 bucks. Try to get cheap as possible. I ne- I always go to Broadway shows for free. Someone pays for me or for like 30 bucks. I won't ever pay a ticket. No, I would never. I, yeah, it's, it's too it's, poor for that. It's so ridiculous how much it is. Because it's like, it's like we're trying to talk about making it accessible. Well, I mean, I guess now there's like more of a conversation, but it's like, yeah, it's accessible. Like it's important. These are great shows, but they're like, Hamilton's like $500 a seat, you know? And it's like, yeah, who's seeing these shows? Who's it for? You know, like how can we make theater better if it's no one's watching it? Like the people who are watching it are not watching it. And I love theater, but I don't know if I've ever been to a show and been like, yeah, I would have paid $200 for this. (laughs) I don't feel people should pay more than $70 to see a show. Oh, I totally agree with you on that. It should be like a movie theater ticket, to be completely honest. Yeah. I think, you know, like fund them, you know, fund it publicly, and then like they don't have to worry about like, paying people to work on the show so that way more people can go i feel it yeah what has been like your favorite musical you've ever seen Mm, uh what comes to mind for me always is the color purple i saw it on broadway with cynthia revo uh who else was in it um heather headley Danielle brooks i just i was like one of the i was in one of the front rows for that of course, my friend brought me for free, so did not pay for that. Um, and I just like, I loved it. I just saw their connection. It was like barely any set. And like, I just was really enthralled by it. And so like, that's like theater I really enjoy, like people just telling a story, not like for the commercial aspect of it all. So that's something that really comes to mind for a great theater. I also would say, so like where I am in East Haddam, we have the Goodspeed Opera House, which um, a lot of equity actors go to. Uh, 
And it's a really awesome, small professional theater. And I went a few summers ago to see La Cage en Fall, which is like the one about drag queens and whatnot. And I fell in love with that too. It made me just, they just like told a story in the middle of the boonies in Connecticut, but with the highest amount of talent and um, motivation to do that show. And so that really gave me some inspiration as well. Yeah, the best theater is like not, it's not necessarily always on Broadway, you know? Yeah, I remember watching um, for the O'Neill when I was, I think I was a student at the O'Neill. I saw Groundhog Day, the musical, and it was just like a commercial mess. Like I hated it, hated it. It was, it just like, it doesn't feel like you don't feel connected to it in some type of way. And you feel like the actors don't even like the story that's being told. Wow. Yeah, that looked kind of weird. I was, I was like, is it Groundhog Day the movie? The musical? Like, yeah. <laughs> I love the movie. The movie's awesome. I was just like, yeah. I looked at 10 minutes of that musical and I was like, this is not at all, it doesn't get any of it. It doesn't look like it gets any of that energy. Yeah, I just wanted to fast forward through the whole thing. It just was like, because uh, Bill Murray humanizes the character yeah. and like has really interesting nuances while uh, the Broadway actor, what's his name? I don't even remember. Um, he, he just performed it. He was just given what he was given. But there's something special about film and sometimes it doesn't translate to theater. I think I saw it in that. Also, it's male-led. I don't like any, I like female-led things. <laughs> you know, I saw one musical that I saw on Broadway that was translated from a film that I hated was Once. Did you ever see Once? I never saw Once. Okay. Once the film, it's an Irish film by the yeah. Swells and Glenn Hansard. I, it is one of the fucking best movies of the past 20 years. It is just, it's a musical. Like, it's legitimately yeah. musical. It's what you're talking about. It's like minimalistic. It's about the characters. It's about the story. There are like musical numbers in it, but they're all like, it's like kind of more naturalistic. And then they made a fucking musical about it. And I just thought it completely just destroyed all of that, all of the like tender, quiet moments, all of the humanity of it and just turned it into like, they even changed the story that I felt was like complete, like they made everyone nice and everything so like neat. Um, any of the show, everyone was crying in the audience and I remember just being like, that's not how, it, I don't know, I'm not moved. Um, and that was also a show where they tried to make it minimalistic and they had like everyone play instruments, which I love. And I thought that was cool, but it just, it, it just was not the same thing. Yeah. I feel that with once. I haven't ever seen the stage show. I've seen like, of course, clips and whatnot. But yeah, that's, it's like some things just don't translate to musical theater. I think it's a really cool art form and it's innovative in its ways that it brings books and music all together. But uh, I think you have to be smart about it or else it'll just be bad. And there's a lot of bad musical theater out there. <laughs> and that's why a lot of people hate it because they see the bad stuff that just like 
sometimes people don't like just spectacle. So like sometimes people, people don't like the spectacle or the musical is just plainly bad. Like if the songs aren't integrated well enough, if it doesn't move the plot along, if it feels messy, it just, yeah. And they like the, the whole plot line of a musical, like if you, it has to be very organized, like you said with once, but like if it gets a little too organized in the musical theater uh, structure, then you kind of lose some things. Like if you're like, oh, I need to have an I want song in the beginning and do this at the end of act one and have make this happen. It gets kind of like cliche. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And then vice versa too. Like when people take fucking musicals and turn them into films, like mm-hmm. doesn't always, I mean, the obvious the famous one is Cats, but that was a whole nother thing. But like, yeah, that's a one really bad example, but I also yeah. hated Les Mis. When they turn Les Mis into a movie, it should make sense. It like should be a great movie on screen, but it was so dry and dull and sort of oh, like, I felt like it completely took out like, not the hu- like the energy of the stage show. Like I haven't really seen oh, the stage absolutely. show, but you could tell like, it just was like, like the close up, like everything, like he kept doing like these close ups of their faces and had them sing live, which was helpful, but you just kind of lose, there's like an energy that's like, this should be live. Like this should be a shared experience, not with like 50 cuts going on at the same time. Yeah. I was just talking to a coworker about Lamez and she had like the same thoughts of just like, it's just very dry. The whole, like that whole Anne Hathaway sequence is like, I think they just made it very emotional to a point of like, we kind of were brought out of it because we were just watching her cry. Well, I feel like that was the moment that worked the most because it was sort of like the closest thing to like, because it was impressive. It was sort of like, she's singing live and cutting her hair like live. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. it's like legitimately she's shaving, like this is one take. She cannot fuck this up. Yeah. That was, you know, the rest of the movie was bad. She got her Oscar. She got the Oscar, yeah, I forget about that, yeah. She got the 10 minutes. But then, yeah, when after she dies though, you're like, oh, I still have an hour and a half left. Well, I think th- I saw the stage production. I think they, they go, they transition more smoothly from when I saw the movie, it felt almost like the end of the movie when she died. And I was like, oh wait, we have another like 30 years to go through. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> she got an Oscar for cutting her hair, essentially. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. I think that's also why people don't like musical theater because they see these movies. Exactly. They see like Aladdin and Lion King and all the, and the prom and they're like, why the fuck are these? Like, this is what people like to do, you know? Um, yeah, I think you, I need to see something with really talented actors and I think a good flowing story for like a film musical to really enjoy it. Like I would have to say to people who hate movie musicals to look at older ones, I would say to like maybe like it a little bit more. Like I love Funny Girl with Barbara Streisand. And I think that really, I don't think that would fit for any audience member, but I just, it's just really about her and it like transitions really well. And it's just about her life. And so I think that's really like one-on-one as an audience member, you get really into it. Um, But like, of course, the spectacles people have an opinion on 
And I would also suggest Chicago because I think Chicago was a really well-made movie musical that got people enticed to it. And I don't think it was like too cliche. And even though they do have like the pastiche, like uh, vaudeville type of stage and whatnot at time for some songs, but. Yeah, Chicago awesome. My favorite movie of all time though is West Side Story. Just because I think it's an, I think the musical is incredible. What makes the movie special to me and why I think it works is that they put together Jerome Robbins, who's like Broadway choreographer extraordinaire, crazy guy, but like brilliant. And then they put Robert Watts, he, uh, and he's a film, and it was like a film director. So you take kind of two big people who one's like a master at film, master at theater, and you put it together and it's unbelievable. It's iconic. And I've seen West Side Story on Broadway. I've seen many other productions of it. I don't, it's the only musical where I'm like, this does nothing to me if it's alive. Like, yeah. more, it doesn't add more. Like it's still good live, but I think the best way to get out of, out of it is to see the film. Oh yeah. I can't believe I forgot that one. That's definitely one of my like favorite movies of all time. I show it to my students constantly. Um, we watch through West Side Story, we watch different clips because first it's like the first like known, it's called like the integrated musical because it really has a strong book that's like really sad and it has that sad ending which like the golden age musicals all have happy endings. So we see something completely different. Um, I think they do well, like the music is classical yet contemporary and I think the dance is like top of its game. and then. The movie too, I think uh, it shows the setting really well, which like, I don't think the stage production can do as well. Like we are in the heart of New York City. So, in, and we're transported there for the movie. And so that's why I really like it too. Like, I really feel like I'm with them. Yeah, it's like Sound of Music is the same way where it's like Sound of Music, she's like literally in the Alps, like she's there. And then like on the it's like a fucking yeah. scrim you know it's not it's not real like yeah it's really beautiful i wrote about it for a college essay i think i like wrote about the scene in the cafeteria or like the dance i i uh in i did doug McHugh's film class my senior year and we had he like didn't care what we did for conference projects and so i just uh he was like just do a presentation on anything about the film industry. And I did it on West Side Story and I played the clip of, there's the song, A Boy Like That, that Anita sings to Maria. And then Maria responds with, I have a love, which is all about like, hey, your boyfriend killed my boyfriend. How dare you? Like, you shouldn't love him. And then she like explains through song that like, it's love really conquers all and that she's in love with him. And even though he did this bad thing, she's still in love. But like, I was explaining it through the clip while the whole class was watching it. And I was sobbing at the end, <laughs> presenting. Cause I was like, they resolute, they were, uh, there was a resolution and uh, they're all, like I was just crying and they lived for it. I also love the scene that always makes me cry in West Side Story is when they get married in the bridal shop. Yeah. When it's just, but it's like the two of them and they do this. And that's kind of like a dream. Yeah, they transport into a dreamlike world. Like we're at a cathedral and they're getting married and the whole ship. And that's like the dream that we as the audience and they want 
yeah. and you see that it never happens. Um, I also love that scene. I love also America too. I think America, um, of course, it has the political subtext um, and whatnot, but I think it shows dance in a really good light. I think it shows dance as a celebration, but also as storytelling which we don't normally see. We always see dance as like, again, that spectacle. And so that's, it's something I, like they communicate through dance in that song, definitely through the movie when it's the boys versus the girls. Yeah, Cheetah Rivera is like, stellar. Amazing. And yeah. You said you teach theater. Um, yeah. What is your favorite part about teaching theater to these kids? Um, for me, it's just about having fun. So these kids that I teach right now, they're on the spectrum, but they're really smart. Uh, just the thing that they lack is a lot of executive functioning and uh, socialization. And so like being weird and wacky is something they're kind of like a little against because they don't want to stick out even more. But then even through Zoom, when we do like dances or shakedowns or whatnot, it gets people just a little more comfortable with doing wacky things, but also comfortable with the other people. And so like, I just think teaching kids to be fun, creative and wacky at all different times, I think that's the most important thing. Cause that's what I have fun with in life. Like I dance constantly. I just like, I'm just like, a wackadoo and so I think just like being weird and being yourself is just a way to do, go through life swimmingly so that's what I like to teach them be a little weird have a little fun yeah it's not really about becoming like an actor you know no I, I never like if people if any of my students ever have that want I will definitely help them and like uh be and like sh luckily I know ways of like how to get at least those beginning steps happening and but um it's not about like being the best and it's just about and like the kids oh the kids got so mad at me because uh, like a few weeks ago i had them all learn apart from oklahoma of oh what a beautiful morning and i said and we were doing it through zoom and you can't all sing together on zoom so i was like okay everyone has a little line and they'll sing a little line they screamed at me through the messages. They were like, I am not going to sing. I cannot do that. And it was just like five kids in the class and me. And uh, it was like, it wasn't going to happen. And because they have such like a fear of like singing or like just putting themselves out there, even though a lot of them told me personally, they love singing. So it's just like, I just hopefully want to just get them a little more like, I don't care if you sing the pitches wrong or whatnot. Just like, as long as you express yourself through the music and find some type of like joy through it, that's all I care about. So hopefully we'll get there through the year, but we don't know. <laughs> you will. Yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's hard. It's also, I bet, probably difficult to do it over Zoom too. Like, Oh, it's, it's crazy. It's like, um, the technical difficulties are always there. Again, I'm like an old person sometimes when it comes to Zoom and I'm like muted when I'm trying to talk. Um, and it's hard because the best part of theater is like when you get up and do stuff and it's hard to do it through a screen and it's hard and you can't do things sim simultaneously. Um, 
and also their engagement like they a lot of them have ADHD and so they just don't after a while they're like done looking at a computer screen or hearing my voice through a screen so it's like you just got to find ways to keep them in have keep them having fun um and like a lot of it turned into like lecture because we learned about the history of theater but then they liked it but they would just be like snoozing off by the end and i'd be like i don't blame you i have a few students who like love they need to like dance during the day or like let themselves out creatively to help them focus for the rest of the day or to like dis or sometimes they're like a little dysregulated so like their emotions are kind of all over the place and so once the moment they either draw or they what i have one student in particular who loves to dance or listen or sing to something um then they just like feel so much better like they're just a lot more stable and they're like centered and grounded and that's what i think is really cool about theater and about art that like it bring it centers you yeah yeah i definitely feel like yeah it's it's good to have the structure too to like mm -hmm. center that cuz i feel like they need to have that from whatever else they're doing yeah. during the day uh, with this job it's made me go cuz i i do want to get my master someday and definitely like in theater but i think i want to get like another masters in secondary education since i love teaching and it just is a good little uh safety points um checkpoint almost and so i'm thinking about doing it but i'm like i can't do it via zoom or any of that so i'm just like waiting off also i need that break after undergrad like i was like i am done with school for a bit i couldn't even think about it take your time you, we're young you know we have yeah we're young baby <laughs> for a while for a hot sec i was sort of like maybe i should teach but i don't like teaching like i'm not i don't have the patience really maybe later in life. i don't know that's how i feel right now but the fact that you like teaching is a good sign yeah, I think it's just like I like that community aspect. Like I love connecting with people and I have like a kind of like young heart. So I but I wor like working with like I do like my camp is younger kids. It's like six through ages six through twelve. But I love teaching like high schoolers. Like that's what I teach here. That's what I would want to teach in the future, older than that too, because like they kind of not to be mean but they kind of have a brain attached to themselves <laughs> i've heard horror stories and about high school theater experiences and i've known i've had my odd experiences and like kind of like not the best ones so if i like ever continue down that path i would just really want to create like a high school environment like you were saying that's like welcoming but um and fun and like less about like the competition aspect when it comes to theater or like even like the diva-esque aspect, even though I love a good diva. I can deal with divas, um, but I don't think I would act as a diva myself if I was in that teacher position. Yeah, I feel like you would, you would do, direct a great production of Mamma Mia. <laughs> I would. That's like, I love having a good party and just having fun. So, like that, yes, that would be perfect. Perfect. Not over Zoom, though. No, I has to. I kind of want it in like a real Greek island. 
<laughs> like West Side Story the movie. Like make it the exact setting. Uh, like you should get people to go on an island and then perform the show on the island and everybody walks around. Immersive. Yeah. Instead of, a, instead of a destination wedding, I'll have a destination musical experience. Can we just talk a little bit about Drag Race? I always think if I make a podcast ever, I think it would be like some type of RuPaul's Drag Race vi- review show because I just love, yeah. I love just like looking at that show and I am like just even analyzing it no matter how funny and crazy it might be. Um, and sometimes I listen to the review podcast and I'm like, you're just like at the surface of this. We need to go deeper, baby. Yeah, I, I, that was a quarantine show for me. I watched every single season. Mm. Like, wow. During quarantine, like, like front to back. Yeah, I started really kind of late in the drag race world, even though I'm like very clearly gay. I, um, I didn't start until after my time at the O'Neill. So I was a student at the O'Neill for the fall of my junior year of college. And then it was, I came back and it was like to Sarah Lawrence, it was January, 2018. And I felt very like kind of lost. I kind of didn't know my place. I don't know. I was feeling off my game at that semester. So, but I started watching All Stars 3 that came out at that same, exact time and I just I fell in love I like fell in love with all the queens that were half that we saw like the talent they showed um also of course the runways um and then I started through that time just binging I started with season nine and I went down because that was what was out at that point and I I just fell in love I think I fell in love because they did exactly what I kind of like to do like just throw different pieces of it sound like pieces of art and like put it together so like there's singing there's acting there's dancing there's they have to make roasts like they have to do it all and I think they really show what a contemporary like either theater artist which I kind of see them as theater artists since a lot of them perform on stage and like they do this all themselves. Um, and just like what the contemporary artist is up to nowadays while also exploring gender and um, breaking the barriers of what's expected as of us and whatnot. And I also, I think it made me really proud to be a gay man by watching that show. It made me just very, happy with the culture and just like so I grew up with lesbian moms and I've always been a part of the gay community in some sort of way but I think that really brought me close to um like honestly gay male culture and um just found my new interest and just like it made me really love art and love what the visual aspects of it too yeah I the reason I love Drag Race, I started around that same time. I think I skipped out. Yeah, you did. Uh, season 10 was my first. Yeah, I remember us talking about it. I remember, yeah. And I just, the thing that I love about it was, it's not really a show about drag queens. You know, like, it's about drag queens and about that culture. But, like, the best drag queens are not the ones that look most like a woman or the prettiest. Um, but it's, like, about the personality. Like, there's a whole package that has to come with it. Yeah. 
it's more a show about performance and about professionalism and um you know being being uh like not even a star but being someone who is like well-rounded than about drag queens like yeah. people in the show like you could never have worn drag in your life and you just know every season you know who's the one that you're attracted to because they're they're the ones that just kind of hat fit the you know root they cause have of it drama, uniqueness nerve and you, talent you know, their like, puntness and, <laughs> and it, that's what i love is like you just kind of are able to talk about things beyond just the beauty or talk about oh how did they perform how did they act how are they behind the scenes how are they you know yeah De definitely now when they all come in with thousands of dollars worth of clothes and they all look really polished for the most part it's like okay we have to look further beyond that and like what what like will make them a like who is the star like who is who has that professionalism who has who is centered enough to do this and what i really love is like rupaul's biggest thing is like just bring yourself into each challenge and that's something i really brought into it like you don't have to like change yourself to make it work in whatever situation that you're in you just bring yourself and that will probably bring the best outcome of any situation. Um, also who I really loved in the show, which like my first full season of watching was All Stars 3 and Trixie Mattel won that. And people were like pretty mad when yeah. she won because of course Shangela looked like she should have won because she did the best in the competition technically. But, but what I really loved about Trixie's storyline is that she kind of faltered in the beginning. Like she was very close to getting eliminated like the second or third episode. And then she just brought it back and she was like, oh, I have to just bring myself to this competition and I'll do fine. And we saw her soar through the rest of it. One of the first things I saw Trixie Mattel was her using, uh, the auto harp and she was yeah. singing her own original song and it was very acoustic while everyone else was doing club remixes of their own songs and so <laughs> i was like oh you really brought yourself into this and i really love the musicianship and the artistry that she just brings to her drag and i think she's really real about it and then like she happened to win in the end out of kind of a fluke but I think it was a really great representation of what Drag Race is, is that life is kind of like the roller coaster ride. And you have your ups and you have your downs. Heavy head and a heavy crown. Had a few since you came to town. Where are you gonna keep them? Still? I just fell in love with the Trixie Mattel storyline and like how she's not perfect and she really brings that up. And even though she's really cliched now and everyone, like she's that drag queen that everyone knows, um, I just really think she brings being human to drag race. It's one of my favorite seasons watching it after watching every single season because. It wasn't perfect and the rules, yeah, she kind of won because of a little rule issue. Like Trixie was sort of like really struggling, but you could see an artist start to form really well. Mm -hmm. Like on the season that she was on, season seven, she was just a throwaway queen. She was just a filler queen. I yeah. Yeah, I, and but it's like, you look at what Trixie is now. Like Trixie is probably one of the most famous drag queens right now. Yeah. Like her, Bianca Del Rio, Katya, like, they're like drag queen and i mean my famous i mean like 
if you're not familiar with drag queens, you know who Trixie is. Like, yeah. But she's famous not because of her looks necessarily. It's like she hosts a show on YouTube. She's a variety star. She makes music. She's like kind of this well-rounded star. And I think like watching all these other drag queens, it's like I learn a lot watching this show. I don't think I'm going to be a drag queen. I don't think I'm... Same, yeah. (laughs) Maybe one day you say this now, but... We'd really have to glue down your eyebrows if you were... I I have to fucking... I have to get them waxed. I have to clean them up. It's been been far too long. I feel like I could be a a feature of the queen. Maybe she's like an eyebrow queen or something. Like she just... She has like little wigs for her eyebrows or something. I don't know. I think about my drag persona a lot. Like I always wonder what would I do if I was on that show? I'd probably be really bad, but I'm like, I feel like I could do the comedy challenges. Oh yeah. And the improv stuff well, you know. Be done making a gown? I don't know about that, but no, we can't see. I'm so horrible too and like self-obsessed where I go, where I think to myself, even though like I think almost every person who watches Drag Race always goes, oh, I can do that. But like, I feel like if I, if I was made up well as a drag queen, like I can't do that for myself. But if I could, um, I think I could win the show. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, I'd be it's like, always the, of a journey. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's just like, for me, I would just have to work on that sewing, but I think I could do it. <laughs> I think my favorite drag queen contestant um, is probably Jinx Monsoon oh. from season five. She is not, I wouldn't say she's necessarily like the best drag queen in terms of looks or like fashion or dance, but I think she was one of the first queens who, and that was a season of a lot of divas. Like you yeah. had uh, Roxy Andrews, you had Alaska, you had fucking, uh, what's, uh, Alyssa Edwards, Edwards. Was on, uh, yeah. Coco, like Detox, all of these, yeah. Detox, like big, like amazing drag queens. And first of all, that's a legendary season. All of them are huge now. Yeah, all- uh, yeah. Season five is something else. It's like icon after icon. But Jinx won and beat them because she had. She really understood the person behind it. Like she was really working through her issues and was able to be very open with if something went wrong she knew how to articulate that she was never trying to like tear someone down like there's the infamous scene where like roxy andrews is trying to like fuck with her and like you know and she's like i'm stronger than you you're trying like she's like really laying it down and being like you're really hurting my feelings right now roxy like you're trying to like you're clearly upset about this thing like that's never really happened usually she would go back and forth I don't know. I just feel like Jinx is, yeah. is yeah. like, if, if someone was a drag, if I was a drag queen, I would want to be Jinx, you know? Um, I fell in love with Jinx as well. She's also a very big in musical theater. And yeah. um, so that's why I just love her. Like she was a big singing queen on the show, which we didn't really see before. Um, and when like each runway, when she'd like whisper to herself, like waters off a duck, what is it? Waters, water off a duck's back yeah she it just like connected with audience members like you saw her going through like oh my god i'm gonna get critiqued now like we all feel that and so i think she really brought like connections to the audience with her performance on drag race 
but like I think with Jinx, it's like we've seen a lot of that drag. There's nothing necessarily new about it, but I think in how a drag queen can be, it shouldn't be just all about like looking the best and having the most money and playing the character. You can still be yourself. You can still be Matt and be Jinx. I can still be done and still be this queen. I don't have to put on this character 24-7. Yeah, I feel like my favorite challenge of all drag race is either, of course, Snatch Game, but I really love when they do the makeovers, when people, like either friends or random people, become drag queens and they turn them into them. I think that's really cool because it's not just like, oh, you're putting on a dress and pretending to be a woman and whatever, but it's like, you're challenging people to open to like be themselves like they get to express themselves if i was put in that situation i feel like i could find ways to express who he done the artist the person behind the done i share all the time with people is you know Um, yeah it's like that shield gets taken off the second you put on some fake tits (laughs) oh yeah yeah it like it makes you feel like lose any seriousness about like who you are and you're just like like the mask is off the physical mask of like what you're wearing and whatnot is off and like you just have to be yourself and like how do you show that and I think it's even harder when they're doing a makeup or makeover episode on drag race because these people who are put in drag for the first time then have to like compete in the olympics of drag and make sure that like whoever they're partnered with doesn't get eliminated. So there's that added pressure, but, and I think it's an even bigger cap. And I think it's great for the Queens themselves because it's not, because nine out of 10 times, they usually always look good. Like their partner looks good, but it's like the queen has to be able to like, kind of be like, okay, I have to be their twin. Like I have to match them. I can't make it like, okay, whatever. I'm just gonna, cause sometimes what they do is they just put them in a dress. They make them look pretty. And then they come out in this stunning yeah. outfit and it's not what it's about it's about you know usually it's like you have to be a twin or, or family resemblance or have to look the same and the queen has to kind of dial down back a little bit and match the level like they have to meet them at the place where they can meet they can't just yeah. sort of like be like okay put on these pumps put on this wig like you're gonna be this yeah you know because that's how it. and it humanizes the drag queen in that situation yeah. and like really they have to by dialing it down a few notches on that runway like we kind of see more of the human behind the makeup and um and also they have to play the mentor and we'd like to see that and like being a famous drag queen has a lot of mentorship qualities to it so i think it's a really important challenge that they do and then everyone usually gets mad about the elimination for the makeovers episode and Um, Because it is usually a tough elimination, it's always like around top six, top five. Um, But it's just like, I think for RuPaul or whoever's judging at that, whatever like franchise it is now, um, they have to really look at like, who's the queen that connects to people the best? People, yeah. And like, that's a big aspect of it. And so that's the challenge. I'll ask you... Final questions, which are, what is um, a meaningful moment that you had with a friend that involved a piece of art? That's good. Um, I would just say, I think I always build my relationships through art. Um, Mm -hmm. For example, like 
like my best friend Caroline, we uh, we related from day one with the same likes and interests of art. And like we both come from a musical theater background, um, a Connecticut musical theater background. And so I think our similar upbringings have a real big connection to come with. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, our similar upbringings uh, help us build our relationship that we have today. We would, we watch burlesque all the time with Christina Aguilera and Cher. Like there's just things that we will always connect with. Um, we've watched High School Musical together, like the crazy like movie musicals. Or then we see, I don't know, American in Paris, I remember seeing with her freshman year of college on Broadway. Like we, art has always brought us together it made our friendship what it what it is today it keeps it it's kind of like the um I don't know the band-aid or something that connects us together I think art just always helps me build relationships yeah that's a beautiful way to think about it yeah it's it like the idea of like putting things to like the band-aid or something to bring people together is uh it's definitely true with art. Um, it could also tear people. Hundred <laughs> yeah. like, percent. Once you start making it together, that's a whole different situation. Uh, yeah. You know? <laughs> it depends. It really depends on the situation. But like again, with theater, like Caroline has such an experience and love of dance, which as an uncoordinated person like myself, like. I don't have that same experience. Like I love doing it, but then I bring in different things about theater that maybe she doesn't think of as often. And then, um, and then she brings in her things. And I think it makes like a beautiful kinship of um, what we love about our art, whether we're, I, we would always see uh, the experimental stuff at Sarah Lawrence together. And I'd always have to explain to her <laughs> afterwards what was happening. And then I'd be like, oh my God, it's about like divorce and separation <laughs> or something crazy. And I, she'd be like, oh my God, yeah. But then like with dance and stuff, I have no idea what's happening. She, she needs to help me through that whole process. And then again, with like her, her choreographing, like I can't choreograph for shit. I would just be like, I, when I have to teach my kids little dances, I always do like a little like, <laughs> like always arm stuff, yeah. like, yeah, like this. I always do like the spread out, the, um, and then, but like she actually puts meaning behind movement, <laughs> which I can't do. And so it's just, and so like it's awesome watching burlesque with her um the campy 2010 movie with sharon christina because i it brings like she has so many different opinions about like all the dance uh, numbers and whatnot and then i might have different opinions about like Cher's ballad um and like all of our opinions come together and we like really love something together and so like I don't think I would like burlesque as much if it wasn't for Caroline because I think she really brings different aspects to for me to love about it yeah it's yeah that's interesting that it's like it's not about the thing but it's how we it's how we share it with other people yeah it builds community even though 
Um, we're not actually making it. We're just watching it, but it still builds community. Beautiful that she, you two are like whispering to each other, like, like you're explaining her and you're like explaining to her. Because without the other, you would hate art. Yeah. You would hate that art. It's all, art is all about like understanding. And yeah. It's a it's conversation. And it's like, if we just kind yeah. of approach art by itself, you know, then we don't care. That's like, that's why I love Drag Race. It creates a community where we can all talk about this and we can all like experience it together and have different perspectives yeah. about it. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful thing beautiful. to recognize. Um, one last thing, Matt, what is an anecdote or a piece of advice that you want to leave behind with your new friends now? Oh my God. My new friends. How lovely. Um, I would say I, I said it earlier, but I would repeat myself in saying that, like, don't take life too seriously. I don't know who really says that besides the Joker and Batman, but, <laughs> like, I think, like, through my life, I've learned to not take myself too seriously, to not take different events too seriously, and to just, like, have fun, go with the flow, and have an adventure, because this like, we're very grateful to be in this world. I was just reading something from Casey Musgraves. She wrote, like, a little thing about her Golden Hour album and about just, like, she needed to take a step back and really be grateful about the beauty that surrounds her every single day. And I think that's so important to take away. Just, like, be, just find your graciousness every single day and be, and not worry about the small details that, you feel like affect your life but they in the long run they don't so like for me it's like why did i if i why did i care so much in high school about like being a lead in a show or whatnot when i ju had just as much fun or even more fun and i learned more about being in the ensemble and so it's just like have fun with everyday life beautiful that is a beautiful way i love casey we love that quote um Love Casey to death. Uh, thank you so much, Matt, for being here. Um, is there anything you want to plug real quick? Um, not doing too much creatively right now, but um, feel free to follow me on Instagram and Twitter because I love those platforms at Maddie Lapone. That's at M-A-T-T-I-L-U-P-O-N-E. Um, and follow me for some fun on there or some nice selfies. Everyone follow that. You're about to have like 100 followers right now, 100 new followers new best friends well, amazing <laughs> thank you so much matt i feel like we are best friends now i feel like we've become so much closer especially with drag race and talking about musical theater but it's about us biffles for life i love what you said about your friends i thought that was such a beautiful way to tie this all together thank you matt of course thank you edan your Best Friend Edun is produced and hosted by me, Edun, artwork by Maya Levy, music clips by The Avalanches, Andrew Lloyd Webber, Trixie Mattel, and Leonard Bernstein. Special thank you to Matt for being an incredible guest. You can follow him once again at Maddie Lupone on Instagram and Twitter. See you next week!